the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business. And I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in. And I'm thrilled to kick off the program with Raul Galero, who's the chief advocate. I love that title at Referral Candy, an app that allows e-commerce brands to set up and run customer referral programs. That's something I think about every single day, quite literally. And Raul has been leading Referral Candy's partnership efforts for the past five years. And uh, I know, Ro, you like to say that you'll find yourself frequently uh, with a half full cup of coffee. Um, and uh, I can relate to all of those things. So, so Raul, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. I know you're passionate about everything that you do. So please introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, yeah, well, so that, that was a great introduction on, on your end. But um, yeah, so my name is Roel. I've been at Referral Candy for the past five years, um, mostly running our partnership efforts. Uh, so we, we work with a lot of um, e-commerce and marketing agencies, um, other tech companies in the e-commerce space, as well as media companies, like is the case uh, today. Um, and uh, yeah, so what we do, what we've been doing for the past uh, over 10 years now, is to help um, e-commerce stores, DTC brands, uh, to set up and run customer referral programs. So uh, basically putting word of mouth on, on, on autopilot. That is awesome. Super fascinating work that you're doing. And so let's dive in a little bit uh, as it relates to referral marketing. We're having this conversation in early-ish 2022. Um, a lot of things have changed. Um, so I'm curious, as it relates to referral marketing, first of all, how would you define it and how has it evolved over the past decade, specifically leading into the strange period that we're in right now? Yeah. Um, so I would, I would start off by saying that um, kind of like the best way to define it is uh, think about the last time you got a recommendation from a friend, whether it's to, to, to watch a new show or to, to go to a new restaurant or, or, or buy something online, right? Uh, we get these recommendations all the time. Uh, and so that's something that happens organically. Uh, actually, I, I, I talk to um, entrepreneurs pretty much on a daily basis. And something that I tell them when they're considering running a referral program is you are already getting referral sales. Uh, it just It's just that if you don't have a referral system in place, it's really hard for you to track um, how many of these new customers are, you're acquiring on a daily basis are coming from referrals because word of mouth, it's, it happens pretty much organically. Um, so what we do on top of that is to... Uh, 
basically put it on autopilot. Uh, it's to make it easier for these merchants to run referral programs in a way that it's it's automated and they're asking customers to refer their friends on a regular basis and everything is taken care of on the back end so they can focus on, on running their business. Um, and in terms of how it has evolved over the past 10 years, uh, so we're actually in a pretty a pretty good position to answer that question because we we literally launched uh it's gonna be almost 12 years now um and at the very beginning it was uh, very tied to the kind of like the, the the early stages of social media uh, so i know it's kind of weird right now to think about it but the, the way that referral candy was born back then was uh, as a way to leverage facebook which was a, a new platform back then um and so it has evolved with social media so you know new, new social media platforms come up you know with kind of um modified the way that uh that the brands are are spreading the war or getting their customers to spread the word uh, but something that hap that's happened in the past few years specifically um it, in my opinion something that's kind of shaking a little bit the, the referral marketing in industry at, in, in, a, in a good way um is the rise of influencers uh, they're kind of like a mix between um, advocates, I mean, loyal customers or, or, or customers that are referring their friends and family and celebrities. Uh, it's kind of like a blur line there uh, because people follow this, this individuals because they are, have an expertise on, on one particular field. So a lot of brands are leveraging that um, not only for customer acquisition, but mm -hmm. also for customer retention. Um, and that's something that it's becoming really, really important in the past couple of years uh, as brands are starting to uh, face you know, new threats that are, that's been coming up in the past couple of years. Um, and they're, they're trying to also uh, stand out from their competition. Sure. And threats would be an understatement for sure. But uh, it sounds like, again, as you said, um, we are in perhaps a, a good period. I'm speaking with uh, Raul Galera, the chief advocate at Referral Candy. Um, really, really interesting to see how Referral Candy is uh, the leading platform in terms of referral marketing for e-commerce brands. And I've already taken some notes over here. And the difference between um, referral marketing and word of mouth, all things that small businesses need to do, which is a perfect segue. Uh, uh, Raul, as we talk uh, on this program with uh, entrepreneurs, small business owners um, that are listening to this conversation and hearing, well, I know referral marketing and what that means for perhaps larger organizations. What does it mean for me as I'm just getting my, my branding complete? What is the takeaway over here that Referral Candy would like the entrepreneur tuning in uh, to get down to business to know and to hopefully put into action in the weeks ahead? Um, I would say that it's it, your customers are the best salespeople that you can possibly have. Um, for a number of reasons. Uh, the first one is because they, they, they trust your product. Um, they trust your product so much that they were willing to pay for it. Um, they're, the audience that they're speaking to, um, they, they trust them. Uh, they, they're, they're referring uh, and they are recommending your products to their friends and family. And so that, that comes as a natural recommendation. I mean, nobody would recommend something that they didn't, don't believe in uh, to their friends and family, even if they're get, getting something out of it, right? <laughs> um, so for a number of reasons, your customers are the best marketing team you can possibly have. Um, and so it's, it's, it's up to you to leverage it. Um, referral, referral marketing has, might have been seen as something that it's only available for, for bigger brands. I mean, when we think about, when we think about referral marketing, we typically think of Uber and Airbnb and Dropbox, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is that right now we have the technology to allow businesses of any size to run a referral program and leverage their customer base to not only acquire new customers, but also retain their existing ones. Oh, that's a big deal. Absolutely. So it sounds like there's something that everybody can do and definitely establishing again, 
these referral marketing programs, uh, especially when you focus on your customers, your customers, your customers. And that's something small business owners know a thing or two about. So as we uh, zoom out and we talk about referral candy and the incredible growth that you've experienced over the past, uh, over the past while, and I know you spend all of your days and probably your nights too. Um, as we, uh, as we mentioned regard in regards to that half full cup of coffee, uh, a moment ago, uh, talking and uh, developing relationships, where do you see referral candy going over the next five years? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the reality is that e-commerce has grown so much <laughs> over the past couple of years uh, that it's 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 you know it's it's hard to make a prediction right now of where it's going to be. Um, I remember that at the very beginning of the pandemic, when when e-commerce just exploded because mostly because a lot of brick and mortar businesses moved to online in order to be able to to keep selling. Um, this statistic came out that it literally just blew my mind. It's the fact that we in April of 2020, we reached the penetration levels um, that e-commerce was expect- expected to have in 2025. So literally five years in a matter of weeks. So it's it's really impossible to know where where e-commerce is going to be over the next few years. I think my prediction my prediction is that it's going to continue to grow. Um, I, I think something that's happened in in the e-commerce world is that um, consumers that used to see e-commerce as a thing that you do on special occasions like Christmas or Black Friday or something like that. Now it's part of their daily lives to buy stuff online, even stuff that um, that they need for, you know, for their homes, not necessarily gifts or, or you know, or kind of like, you know, gadgets that they're getting for themselves, but like stuff that they need on a, on, on a daily basis. I think the trend's going to continue uh, down that path. And so we're going to see a lot more brands leveraging uh the the e-commerce space to grow their business and, and we're we want to be there uh we were i mean that's that's our that's our goal is to continue helping brands of any size to uh, leverage their customer base also so they can depend less and less on third-party platforms to uh, acquire new customers such as you know, uh, online basically ads <laughs> which is getting uh, super com- competitive these days well, regardless of where referral marketing goes, first of all, we know that you'll be responsive, reactive to what's going on, but also proactive and leading the way uh, as the leading platform in referral marketing for e-commerce brands. And uh, certainly I've taken uh, some good notes on this and uh, seen how, uh, how definitely there's a takeaway for small business owners for sure. So Raul Galera, I want to make sure our listeners know where they can uh, get started um, in the referral candy journey. How can we learn more and get in touch? Um, so they can learn more about Referral Candy on our website, uh, referralcandy.com. Um, if they want to get in touch with me directly, I, I love getting emails. So that's uh, Raul G, so R-A-U-L-G at referralcandy.com. Um, if, you, if you give me the opportunity, I would like to uh, just mention something very quickly. We are, especially since we're talking about small businesses, uh, we're actually launching, this week we launched uh, a grant for small businesses. Uh, so we are, we're going to award uh, with $10,000 to a, an impactful business, uh, an impactful e- e-commerce brand. Um, and so they can find more information on our website. Uh, it's uh, referralcandy.com slash uh, growth grant. Uh, so oh, yeah, congratulations on all of that. Referral Candy, definitely check it out. Congratulations on that grant. We look forward to uh, continuing our conversation on it. Quick break here and get down to business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm super excited to be joined by Brian Weaver, the CEO of Torch.ai. And for those of you that aren't aware, AI is artificial intelligence. Brian 
has served as the CEO and has more than 20 years of experience leading mission-driven, high-growth technology-focused companies. We're going to talk about all that he has done, all that he is continuing to do. We were just talking offline about some amazing, game-changing innovation. Super excited to have that conversation. Brian Weaver, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. So I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. You are a serial entrepreneur. And I have to ask, Brian, how did, how and why did he start your first company? Oh, man, I think I mowed lawns. I mean, I, I wanted to buy things. I was a, I love photography. I'm kind of a, a closet creative. And uh, I wanted to buy a really, really expensive couple thousand dollar camera. And I'm like, oh, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, and I had to go mow lawns. And so I took my family's lawnmower and I started mowing lawns all over the neighborhood. And then I got a buddy to join me and started my first company. That was, that's a, that's, you know, born with the gene, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say that your companies uh, are currently serving nearly 1300 clients. And I know you've been recognized as small business of the year by the greater Kansas city chamber of commerce. We were talking about Kansas city and what a great place it is. We'll perhaps save that for another conversation. So I have to ask again, Torch.ai, what do you do and why is it relevant to our audience? Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and you know, the world of artificial intelligence is, is growing. Uh, it's complex. Uh, there's little pockets uh, of, of applied uh, artificial intelligence, which is really where we focus. There's a lot of academic stuff going on. But I basically... Um, had an idea back in 2012. Uh, I, I owned, I acquired a healthcare business uh, from Wells Fargo, and I've always been uh, a founder or an acquirer of companies, and I've done that, you know, for the last 20 plus years. Um, but I acquired this, you know, really, really exciting uh, healthcare information business, and decided that I wanted to get into analytics, and that led in led through a really fun story. The, the show is not nearly long enough to get into the the all the the. The interesting journey that that was, um, but we ended up uh, figuring out how to process data uh, differently. Where we used AI and machine learning in particular to process data before it came to rest. So the idea of of doing in-flight enrichment transformations of data, but using machines. And it, it, again, when you start talking about uh, really large-scale enterprise problems of information, basically, information is just too hard to get to data is too hard to use. And we figured out that we could apply machine learning to detect and understand what the data was uh, faster and cheaper than anybody else on the planet. And, uh, and it's just kind of blown up from there. And so our focus on, on AI is making the information, uh, basically data, easier to use. That's incredible. And when we talk about AI and machine learning, Frequently, uh, people's minds go to large organizations, and I know that you have supported clients like H&R Block with fraud detection and mitigation, as well as the United States Department of Defense with machine learning-enabled background investigations, which is a huge deal um, to speed up that process, and perhaps we'll spend a minute on that in just a moment. But for a small business audience, what is that big takeaway that you think um, entrepreneurs tuning in should perhaps pay attention to this growing phenomenon that is increasingly becoming a part of our vocabulary. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you if you boil it all down uh, to its you know sort of basic principles, it's all about uh, smart automation. 
So the world's moving so fast today. There's 2.5 uh, IoT devices or, or, or you know, digitally connected devices per human on the planet today. So there's just this massive amount of information floating around. And the businesses uh, that are able to harness that gain a massive competitive advantage. And so whether that's trying to find operational efficiency, you know, serving customers better than they did yesterday by using that information or making that information easier to use, that's a key thing. Uh, or uh, again, even developing net new uh, innovations using information. Uh, it, the key here, and I think the big takeaway is the world has an opportunity to move at the speed of information, not at the speed of a business system, not at the speed of a data warehouse, and certainly not at the speed of a human. Uh, and so where we focus and, and sort of the discovery that we made was that because we could put machines and, and machine learning models in particular uh, into a, a framework, we could actually uh, improve the, the value received. Uh, we could make the data easier to use, uh, make, it, make it fully available and make it more valuable because we're able to move, uh, again, I, I would say at the speed of information. Uh, I think that's the big thing to think about as an entrepreneur. When you look around at the industry that you're in, um, really everybody in the world, whether it's a highly competitive industry or it's true greenfield, you're really looking for that competitive advantage. And sometimes the availability of information uh, and, and you know, making uh, information or, or workflows uh, easier and simpler, and that, that simplification creates a massive competitive advantage. So, uh, you know, that's what we've really, from a technical perspective, focused on. Okay. As an entrepreneur, I focused on a whole different set of, like, interesting growth criteria for myself, right? As I've learned over the last two decades, uh, how to be a better manager and how to be a better leader. But, um, but I think from a technical perspective, there's, there's a massive opportunity for companies to capitalize on automation opportunities across, you know, lots and lots of industries and lots of operational capabilities. Definitely. Again, I'm chatting with Brian Weaver, the CEO of Torch.ai. And uh, Brian is, if I were to describe you as one thing, it would be a serial entrepreneur. And certainly your advice in terms of AI and machine learning is very relevant to all of our audience. And certainly my takeaway from everything you've just shared is that it is something that we need to pay very close attention to. But as I think about your entrepreneurship background, which you were just um, touching on, and I want to stick on that theme as I see a lot of resilience in everything that you do. You've launched and acquired many companies um, and, again, have made quite an impact growing your client base. So as we said, working with large organizations like the DOD, um, which is great. But you also have a fun side to you, too. Well, I guess we could call it fun, and that's Ironman competition. Some might call it uh, um, cruel and uh, uh, cruel punishment, but uh, yeah. I know you've raced numerous <laughs> Ironman competitions at many uh, elite and amateur levels in the US and Europe. So why do you do that? And how does that connect to your entrepreneurship journey? Oh, man, I think when you're a guy like me, you've got this bottomless bucket of energy. And sometimes if you're if you have a little bit of wisdom and maturity, you realize that the, a business that you're involved in may not be able to handle the full you know, frontal assault of all of that energy. So you need, you need a hobby outside the business. Uh, but honestly, I think as a metaphor for business, uh, Ironman in particular, it's a very complex sport, right? It's a long day. Uh, you've got not only uh, three disciplines, but then you also have the technical stuff with equipment, transitions and all that uh, nutrition and fueling. And it ends up being a very, very complicated uh, endurance sport. And so for a guy like me, I'm a data-driven person. And I love numbers and nerd stuff. And I also think that the complexity and the problem solving under duress, you know, is a big thing. Like, 
I've had uh, a bicycle break on me in the middle of a race. And I, you, you, you know, what do you do there? You got to solve that problem. I run out of gas. I've cramped uh, massively. I've gotten sick. I've bled. Uh, and these are all these problems that you have to solve uh, in real time. And you have to do it in a compressed manner. And this is why racing, and a lot of people love auto racing for the same reason. Mm-hmm. It's a great metaphor for, uh, for business because you got to build a team. Even if it's in a solo sport, you still have trainers and coaches and nutritionists and mechanics and all this other stuff around you. You've got to get that whole system to, to function at, a, at its optimal state. And then you've got to really know yourself. Um, and you're going to have weaknesses as a human. And if you want to do well, you've got to overcome those weaknesses and turn them into strengths if you can. Uh, for me, problem solving is a big one. So, um, you know, I, I was able to kind of ratchet down and remove as many variables as possible uh, and then use my skill at problem solving, you know, on the day of to be prepared. And so, it, you know, from that perspective, it was a really great. I learned a lot of lessons and, and I actually was able to transport a lot of those lessons back into the business. Um, you know, I, I, I've grown and, and made the most money actually after learning a lot of these lessons in Ironman. That's incredible. And uh, I'll admit that I have, uh, I've stalked you and I've seen some of, uh, some of the things that you've posted um, on your LinkedIn. And of course, you've got an incredible website, which we're going to send our listeners to in just a moment. And again, connecting the dots between uh, these lessons of motivation, resilience, dealing with adversity. Um, but also, I know you have a lot to share on the topic of entrepreneurship and artificial intelligence and uh, where we're going in uh, the world of, uh, of, of technology. So certainly, I want to make sure all of our listeners have the opportunity to get in touch. Brian Weaver, uh, can you share some contact information? Yeah, I'm available on LinkedIn. And uh, I really enjoy interacting with people there. Uh, and, and really, if, if I uh, can help give advice uh, or share some more stories, uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, you're not alone. It's a tough journey, but it can be really fun. And and uh, uh, rewarding if you do it right. Well, I appreciate you sharing your expertise. I look forward to touching base with you again real soon to continue this conversation. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial because we've got more from, from Get Down to Business coming back in just a moment. Get on my website, shellamcline.com. I'm about a quick break. Headlines, commercials. We'll be right back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Check out my website, shalomkline.com, and be sure to check out our sponsors, Tom Mirabali from healthplanchicago.com, healthplanchicago.com for all of your health insurance, Affordable Care Act needs. Tom Mirabali is a great friend of the program, so be sure to, again, contact him through his website, healthplanchicago.com. He always responds within a few hours, and he's available for free consultations with your small business, your family, to make sure that you have the, the health insurance plans that you need. Speaking of what you need, um, we've continued to live and breathe uh, changes in our global economy. And since the outbreak gripped the global economy and forced most employees to work from home, you know, small businesses have faced a slew of issues. I think that's the understatement of the year. And millions of small businesses throughout the world who have had no prior experience with cybersecurity were suddenly confronted with a slew of new concerns ranging from which VPNs to use and how to safely work long distance and from home. So I looked into um, a number of tips that I wanted to share with you here today. And almost all businesses are these predominantly conducted online. 
You have to maintain the maximum security of the data you transmit and receive online to keep your organization safe. So yes, you want to be careful, not only your social distancing, your physical distancing in person, but also pay attention to the data that you're using. And um, phishing attacks. Phishing attacks is something that you are may have not heard of a couple of years ago, but it's something that we're all living and breathing right now. And it's one of the most prevalent ways that cyber thieves target businesses these days. It would help to prevent such damaging, harmful attack if you educate your personnel on what phishing is through adequate training. Cyber fraudsters sometimes use emails that appear to be authentic communication in their phishing attacks. They're frequently disguised as something an employee would expect, such as a password reset email, an HR notification, maybe a shipping confirmation. Despite the fact that fraudsters go to great lengths to conceal these emails, there's still a few techniques spot phishing uh, efforts. Some of, the, some of these methods that I would recommend for all of our listeners is checking the sender's name. It goes without saying that by clicking a link in an email from someone you don't know, it's probably a risky move. You don't want to do it over insecure end-user messaging. No organization will ever ask for critical information such as usernames or passwords. Cyber fraudsters will go so far as to use an email address and look suspiciously like the company's official address. So double-checking who an email is from is essential. And check the email's body for strange spelling of characters, as this might be a sign of a phishing attempt, especially if the sender's demanding sensitive information. When it appears to be coming from a reliable source, misspellings and grammar errors should be a red flag. Intimidation tactics. Avoid messages that begin with urgent action necessary or your account has been compromised and ask you to click a link and submit personal information. These tactics of intimidation and fear are intended to get you to hand over your credentials. Never click on a link from an email from someone you don't know. Period. End of story. Even if a hyperlink in an email appears to be authentic, Hovering over the hyperlink without clicking to, re- to view the real URL, that's recommended and the best way to learn what is real and might, might be one of these attacks. Reporting cybersecurity incidents is really important. Regardless of your security training, there's a chance that a security event will occur due to human error. When this occurs, it's critical that everybody understands how to report the situation. But we know that many of you listening to this program, you're working your small business from your home office. So it is very important, whether you work for a company or you own your own business, that when you have your home routers, make sure your Wi-Fi password has a strong password. Make sure you're avoiding using the uh, phrase or the term that came with the router when you purchased it at Best Buy or on Amazon, because chances are every Cisco router that you're going to purchase has exactly the same information. And honestly, you're just handing the keys over to the hackers to make it easy for them to steal all of your information. And have you heard of a VPN service? A VPN service basically enables secure encrypted tunnels between your home user and a remote server. You might be tempted to use a free VPN service especially at a time when costs a major driver, but please avoid doing this. Many of these services try to make money by selling your information to third parties. So look into the company's location to prevent your data from being shared. Look for a service that's headquartered in a company with strict privacy regulations. If you need your traffic to go via specific geography, server locations can be something to think about. You also want to make sure your VPN is compatible with your key devices, depending on the diversity of operating systems or services or devices that you've deployed. Um, And you might not be aware of... two-factor authentication, probably starting to see it a little bit on your Gmail, maybe some other accounts. But usually what that will be is you're putting in your password, uh, something you know, so that's factor number one, as well as something you have. 
Um, that would be something like a smart card or a digital certificate or something that you are, which would be a fingerprint or facial recognition. It could be used on so many systems and we're starting to see it over and over again in many of your devices. But again, this is not just for big businesses, this is for small businesses as well. Just as we come to a conclusion in some of these tips here on Get Down to Business, I want to remind you also to make sure that you keep all of your systems patched and updated to keep your small business and your family safe. That means that when you see a Windows update, it's not there to bug you, but please make sure that you download it so you can be protected against common viruses and malware, especially for Windows machines. Updates are frequently released by software developers to address specific security issues. You can fix the vulnerabilities that virus writers use to attack your computer by downloading and installing those updates. And finally, finally, make sure you back up your data because we know ransomware attacks have become a prevalent problem for organizations of all sizes. But given the cost of this, you want to make sure that you have your data locked away, that you have it protected if there was to be a successful attack. Hope you found all this information helpful. Be sure to get on my website, shalomfine.com. I post tips there all week long. And again, be sure to check out our friends, Tom Marabali from healthplanchicago.com. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. Follow me on Twitter. Lots more information, more guests, more conversations here and Get Down to Business when we return in just a moment. I've quoted a statistic very often on this program that uh, small businesses are the backbone of the economy. There are over 30 million small business owners in the United States, but many entrepreneurs, I can tell you from talking to so many of them on this program, launch their business with little guidance. That's why I am so excited to be joined by the co-authors of a brand new read, Self-Made Boss, Advice, Hacks, and Lessons from Small Business Owners, and that's Jackie Reeses and Lauren Weinberg. Uh, Jackie, the former executive chairperson of Square Financial Services and capital lead and head of the people team at Square. And Lauren Weinberg, the chief marketing officer at Square, join me here on the program. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for joining me on Get Down to Business. Thank you. Excited to be here. Oh, it is such a pleasure. So I like to get to know the person, the people rather behind the microphone because I know that this book has been a labor of love. And it was not just writing in your spare time, which I don't know if you have any spare time, um, but I know it's from your own experiences, firsthand accounts. So if I may ask, what led to the, uh, to the uh, initiation of this fantastic read? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I will start off and let Jackie chime in. But, you know, Jackie and I both uh, work at Square and spent a lot of time talking to small business owners. And in that time, we heard from them time and time again that they had a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of the things that they needed help with. There was really no source for them to go and find this information. And we also heard that they really liked hearing from each other. And they were full of just amazing, rich insights and knowledge. And uh, during the pandemic, Jackie and I thought there's really nothing out there for business owners that gives them this firsthand advice and knowledge. And what if we could package up the wisdom and insights from the business community and share it back with everybody? And the The book is told in their eyes and through their stories. So to Lauren's comment, we take the wisdom from these small businesses across the country and are able to retell it in business frameworks so that you could use it as a self-help guide to start, run, and grow your business. It's super cool and super lovely. 
it's not just stories, but I know that it's really a, uh, a playbook for, um, for hopefully everybody that's tuning in in Chicago and around the world um, on their entrepreneurial journey. Um, and you are both being very modest because your own experiences, your bios can read many, many, many pages long. Um, so as you highlight and profile those business owners that you've been fortunate to meet, um, I know that there's a lot of lessons to be learned. So I am, I'm curious, as I uh, read uh, some of the insights into the book, there's a couple of things that jump out at me. And I'm curious, um, for every entrepreneur, uh, hopefully they're putting their, their, their passion, their, their, their expertise into uh, what they are hoping to make, not just a career, but really a, a mission. Um, how can and when is appropriate for a personal passion or a side hustle to actually become a career? And what are some of those lessons that you've learned in this book? Yeah. So first of all, anytime. Like if you have a personal passion, and I think this year is a great signal of how people are doing this by the millions, you should absolutely explore it because usually people are most successful with things that they truly love. And I think there are two dynamics around starting a business. One is getting in the mindset of, is this something that's a lifestyle business? Are you just trying to do it to sustain yourself? Or two, are you trying to set yourself up for a very large, growing, huge company? And I think you can take different paths with employees and setting up the company, depending on how you think about it. I think the next thing to really focus on is, do you have enough of a capital cushion in your wallet? to make sure you're going to be safe? Can you sustain yourself through six months or so of startup costs where you might not have a salary? Or if so, if you, if you can't do that, you might have to do it on the side. You might have to come up with some alternative way of structuring yourself so that you, you can survive for that startup period that's inevitably a learning experience. And so that's the start of the way to think about the framework. We go into a lot of detail about how to think about how much cash flow you need to have, you know, whether you should do it as a side hustle. Um, and so it really depends on your personal circumstances and what kind of network you have around you to support you. Certainly, certainly. And again, I'm chatting with the co-authors of Self-Made Boss Advice, Hacks, and Lessons from Small Business Owners. I'm chatting with Jackie Reeses and Lauren Weinberg who share um, from their conversations with hundreds of small business owners and a wide range of experts to talk uh, and provide a guidebook and a playbook for new and aspiring entrepreneurs. And while we don't want to share all of the secrets of the book, because I know it's officially released in just a couple of weeks from now, and of course, we'll send people to your website. Just before we take a quick break, I'm fascinated by two stories in the book in particular. A female entrepreneur breaking through a male-dominated industry of roofing and a dentist uh, transitioning out of their business. Tell us what you know. What inspired you as you as you talk to all these entrepreneurs? And I mean, some of these some of these stories are just fascinating. Yeah, so I'll say Letitia Hankey, who is the woman that you're referencing, who broke through um, with, by being a black female roofing person ran her business in Oakland, California. And I think her story is really just incredible. And when we spoke to her, it was clear that she sort of poured her heart and soul into her business. She's faced a number of hardships. And we were just, Jackie and I, both incredibly inspired by 
her resilience and the fact that she really wanted to put her identity out there and make sure that anybody who wanted to work with her knew exactly who she was. And then ironically, the story of the dentist is actually my dad. Um, and so after seeing my dad go through the, the process of transitioning out of his business, I thought there's a lot that, you know, he sort of learned the hard way in that process. And so wanted to include his journey in the book as well. I have so many more questions for you, but we've got to squeeze in a very quick break here and get down to business. We'll be rejoined by Lauren Weinberg and Jackie Reeses as we continue conversation about self-made boss here and get down to business in just a moment. Don't touch that dial. I've been scribbling notes throughout this conversation with the authors, co-authors of Self-Made Boss. And again, I'm joined by Jackie Reeses and Lauren Weinberg, who uh, prepared this fascinating, I wouldn't call it a book. It's really a part starter kit, part encyclopedia, and part inspiration. Lots of things over there. So, um, Lauren, I'll uh, actually, uh, Jackie, I'll go over to you uh, first. And, you know, all these chapters, they all have so many stories, but they're really all covering a different area of expertise. Can you tell us sort of how, the, how, how you worked on this book and sort of preparing all of these aspects of, of advice? Yeah. Well, first, every chapter is written based on the insight and questions that we've heard for years while working at Square. And so the chapters are written by topic, like HR, operations, hiring, how to get a loan, finances, technology, dealing with roadblocks. And so each chapter you could pick up when you need it so that if there's something that's on your mind, like HR and hiring, you can really just pick it up and use it as a guide. It's not meant to be something that's read cover to cover. It's really meant to be picked up as you go. And you want to learn from others who are dealing with similar issues. We thought it was easy, approachable, um, and snackable. Awesome. And I know that in the book, you actually cover quite a bit about um, funding, which is something that's on every entrepreneur's mind. Can you briefly touch on that? Yeah. you know, Getting a loan is one of the hardest things for small businesses. And it's one of the topics we cover in a lot of depth so that we could help micro businesses figure out how to present their financials, where to get loans, whether they should be looking at companies in the fintech space, so online lenders, so that they could help finance their business. It's usually one of the most confusing elements for a small business. And we go through a lot of detail to lay out different options for small businesses to raise capital. Incredible. And again, this is a great read and we're going to make sure that everybody can, uh, can, can find it as it's released in just a couple of weeks. But um, Lauren, over to you. Um, you know, this is a book written by real people for real entrepreneurs. And I just want to sort of touch on, again, that's that aspect of things of, of sort of the, uh, the, the lessons that are applicable really to those, to the small business owners, to those entrepreneurs. I mean, what is that big takeaway that you have as you talked about your dad? And I'm still smiling from that piece of things that real, uh, the, sort of the frame of mind that you were in as you, as you talked to these folks and made it relevant to small business owners that might be tuning in tonight. Yeah. So I would say there, there's, there's so much in here. And I think that the, like to Jackie's point, the goal was to make it really approachable. Financing is obviously a really challenging part of running a business, but one of the other things that's really challenging that we hear from business owners is the marketing side of things. There's so many platforms that business owners have to learn how to use. And so we also touch on that in a lot of detail. And I would say 
you know, the idea of the book is that it's actually told through the perspective of these business owners. So it's the things that they've done, their actual hacks and their lessons, what they've learned about the platforms. And additionally, we also interview a number of specialists in the book, so experts in these fields. And that way, we have both the perspective and the real experiences from the business owners married with some advice from people who are actually experts in marketing and social media and some of those other channels. Well, that's powerful stuff indeed. So uh, no doubt all of our listeners are nodding their heads vigorously um, because there's something in this book, Self-Made Boss, for absolutely everybody. Um, So how can we uh, find the book uh, as soon as it's released? So it's on Barnes and Noble, it's on Amazon, it's on any bookstore or online site. Um, And so just look up Self-Made Boss and you'll find it. Self-Made Boss, I know the website, selfmadeboss.com. It's fantastic. You can get the free excerpts right now, pre-order the book and it'll be available wherever books are sold. Amazon, of course, Barnes and Noble Bookshop, uh, so many other places. It's great read, something in there for everybody. And Um, Lauren and Jackie, I can't wait to have you back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Thanks so much for joining us. That's a wrap for us here this week. We'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer, or on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to uh, download, rate, review, and share. It really makes it easier for others to find it. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. To success, let's get down to business. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.